I'm Christian Ramirez, and you're listening to the Sound of the Loons podcast. morning, afternoon, or evening, depending on when this finds you. Welcome to the Sound of the Loons podcast. I'm your host, Steve McPherson, and I am thrilled, thrilled to welcome back my partner in crime, Calvin Williams from the Injured Reserve. And I wanted to start by asking, what goes into coming back from an injury like this? Do you feel like you're ready to give 100% to this podcast today, or will we have to sub someone in in the 25th minute? I feel like I could possibly, if need be, go... 85 maybe oh okay you know i could give it a good go i hope um, i hope this podcast doesn't go 85 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah i um, i'm getting there to say the least so okay I, i'm getting um i'm getting very used to hobbling yes and, and skipping and jumping around yeah um, and that's not only after a couple of beers that's um <laughs> just uh, <laughs> usually it's just after a couple of beers. Uh, yes but but now it's i'm down to one crutch and just um Trying to get used to things, which is really annoying. Have you had to use crutches before in your life? I have, but I'm just spectacularly awkward on them. Yeah. I have no, uh, first of all, I've got no core strength either as well, so I'm sure. just a complete mess on them. Sure. Um, but yeah, they, they're just awkward anyway, aren't they? You know, right. I just, I, they're not meant for human beings. Like the way that they are, the, the way they situate themselves underneath your armpits, like my armpits are bruised now and I've got blisters and I'm just, you know, I feel like they add Sounds to like the hell. problem. Yeah, it's just <laughs> awful. So anyway, I'm just whining now about, you know, stuff that I've gotten, you know, given to me to, to help me out. Right. So do <laughs> they, they give you the, the the crutches at the hospital? Is this like part of, is this included in the service? Like, well, so actually like, uh, you know. the, the crutches were actually given to me by our producer, Morgan. Oh yeah. Um, so, okay. So he already um, had some crutches. Yeah. He he like a um, like a model producer looking after his right. uh, his commentator. Yeah. So. Pretty impressive. <laughs> now, did it affect your preparation for the game at all? I mean, did they have to run you through some rehab reps before? <laughs> you know, like. Um, you know, there was a, the one thing I will say actually, Steve, in all seriousness, um, I, I've I've been on some painkillers, um, sure. which are, are stronger than the regular painkillers, I guess. And um, I remember I was at the stadium. Uh, on Saturday in the booth after taking painkillers a couple of hours ago and thinking, just looking up at the sky and just thinking, oh, isn't the sky lovely and blue so today? Beautiful. And I thought to myself, wow, yeah. wow, you're high as a kite, right. mate. You, you've got to snap out of it. So yes. I, I, yes. I did. I managed to get a load of caffeine and slap myself across the face a few times. And fortunately, at least to my knowledge, everything was okay. Right. Um, but yeah, I... Um, they, they certainly had an effect on me, no doubt. There, there was that one part where you were talking about how a long clearance had a rainbow uh, behind mm. it. I think that you might have slipped out that, there that for a second. That may very well that. have, uh, yeah. <laughs> the meds played their part there, for sure. Yeah. Is that not what happens anyway? Like, I, this is, you know. I mean, you know, I'm, in Allianz Field, I think all yeah. long clearances have rainbows Are we not them, so. playing the last level of <laughs> the Mario Kart game? Yeah. We're just wandering around on whatever the star lanes are, and we think, you know, yes. is that... I thought that's what life was in general. Have you played Mario Kart for Switch? The new, uh, the new Mario Kart. No. Okay. I didn't even know there was a new Mario Kart. Well, yes. There's, there's the old. I mean, there's the classic yes. for N64. The best game ever 
by it's, the way. It's terrific. So, yes. But the new Mario Kart for Switch, I have that. And uh, it's enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Play with my daughter, uh, sometimes my oldest. This is, a, this is a good story about playing playing games with your kids. Uh, so I was playing with my daughter, and you, know, you each get a little controller. Uh, and you can set up a whole bunch of uh, sort of safety safety is wrong in this, like assists, you know, okay. so that for the children who are maybe not as good at, you know, driving on the road, okay. uh, it accelerates without them having to hold the button and you can't steer off the side of the track. Okay. And, you know, so it's just got a couple like bumpers. It's, you know, it's like bowling with the, with the, with the bumpers, right? So you let them cheat is what you're saying. And basically you let them cheat. <laughs> you give them a little bit of a, a boost, you know, okay. um, but still even with that, like I give her that. And then I'm, I'm was playing with her the first night we had it. And I was essentially letting her win every other race, you know, like mm-hmm. just I would sort of get all the way there. Just sort of I would drive off the side. I would sort of play around. My wife came down and started playing her and was just schooling her like every time. And I, I had to be like, I was like, I, I let her win. Sometimes. Yeah. And she was like, listen, I don't get to win a lot of video games. So like, yep. I'm, I mean, I'm taking it where I can get it. That, that's uh, first of all, you paint a very pleasant picture of parenting um, because if that's what it's about then the missus and I are having kids straight away don't yeah. forget to play video games all day that's brilliant yeah. um, and second of all I would certainly do exactly what your wife has done and just absolutely <laughs> take advantage of their just, just no problem what you want to win sorry yeah. this is life yeah get yeah. on with it yeah, like, you know? yeah. Do not, I think I talked about this before but I was playing Uno with her uh, with the oldest once, and and she dropped like a draw, a wild draw four on me, and she was like, "I'm sorry." I was like, "You do not apologize yeah, for competing. You, you play win. to win. Yeah. Like you do not. You go out there, you take heads. You know, like that's okay. If it's mine, I understand. This is the natural order of succession. So, I would. I wish there was more video game playing in in parenting, honestly, because. Uh, but one of the problems is that you want to not have too much screen time. Sure. And then it's also it's useful because if they use the iPad for a certain amount of time, that gives you the chance to do things like cook a meal Mm -hmm. or take a shower so you don't always get to engage but it's good to engage with them sometimes uh there's there's another game which is great for the kids is uh stardew valley which is on the switch and it's essentially like a life it's sort of like in the sims realm of you just kind of go about your business uh it's it looks like an old rpg from like sega genesis era it's sort of like a bit you know those little pixel graphics you know you and you inherit a farm uh, from your grandfather or something, you guys sort of fix it up and you plant stuff and you walk into town and uh, it's it's fun. It's very relaxing. Uh, the funny part about my my daughter when she plays it is that she has some difficulty controlling it first of all because I think just the concept of moving around in a virtual space is a little bit foreign to her. Mm-hmm. So there was one time where she was playing and I went upstairs and then I came back downstairs and she was like in a cave starving to death like in the middle of the night uh and she's like i don't know how to get out of this cave she didn't have a light it's like she could yeah. see and everything like that and then that made her very antsy so as soon as we'd get to be like eight o'clock in the game it's like a day night cycle she's like i gotta go home and go to bed I, gotta go. <laughs> I was like you got time you can stay out you know like yeah, it's, yeah. it's not like bedtime at home she's like no no, no i have to go to home i have to go home and go to bed <laughs> So, horrible. <laughs> so it's basically a go home and go to bed simulator for her. Like she gets up and then she like sells a couple things and buys some seeds and then goes to bed. So brilliant. And then dad comes and saves the day when she gets lost in a yeah. dark cavernous yes. cave. Yeah. I mean, you know, I'm happy to help. I'm I'm familiar <laughs> with navigating the worlds of RPG video games. Like, I, know, I know where, I know where to go. Speaking so. of that, I think I think the best one I've ever played in terms of um, RPG video games that have a massive world. Um, when I was younger, I, I thought Skyrim uh, was was just yeah. ridiculous. Just because the, I, I remember thinking like the 
The graphics were insane. You'd be walking through the woods and get attacked by a random dragon or something. Yeah. You, know, I, I, you know, I was a big fan of GTA as well. I loved Grand Theft sure. Auto. I thought it was fabulous. Um, but yeah, Skyrim, I remember just being blown away by it and been thinking to myself, like, this, this is... This is the best video game ever. And I'm, I was a massive Zelda fan growing mm -hmm. up. But yeah. I just thought to myself, Skyrim was the best game in terms of that concept I've, yeah. I've ever played. I spent so much time in Skyrim just sneaking around, like, ruins. Like, I, w I remember the, the, the extent to which once I got, you know, you got to level your character up and get all the... Uh, but basically, once you get up, once you get your sneak skill all the way up, you no one sees you ever. Mm. And I would always play as... I would use the bow and arrow. And so I would just be skulking through these ruins. Like, I would go in and then just, like, kill everything without anything ever seeing me, get all the stuff, and then get back out, and then go back to town, and and you sell the stuff, and you're like, okay, I just got to go sell the stuff. I was like, but then I got this cool thing I got to go try out. Right, right. And that first, that first time you see a dragon, like when you actually fight a dragon in that game, yes, and you beat stages, one, it yeah. really feels mm -hmm. like, man, I beat a dragon. This feel like you really feel, yep. you really feel like you did something. So yes. yeah, in terms of that immersion, I love that. All those games, the the Fallout series, Fallout Three, and Skyrim, and you know that like that that company Bethesda that makes those does such a great job of those Fabulous. worlds that are really big. So. Mm -hmm. I love talking about video games. I would love to continue, but I think we're going to talk about some other stuff. Yes. Too. So, um, <laughs> let's talk about – this is soccer. It's sort of adjacent to our actual job, but I, the EPL is about to kick off. Oh. I After after my wild success in MLS fantasy, um, because I, I won the, the fantasy league for the spring season, I just want everybody to know. Yep. Um, I'm not bragging, uh, <laughs> but I did crush Jamie Watson. So – as long as his soul is crushed, that's all I really care about. Did you just stand a foot in the air? Is that what you did to crush him? Yeah. Right. yeah I mean, so. he's, okay. I mean, it was almost accidental. He just ran under my foot. So, <laughs> um, but I've, I have started an EPL league now. Uh, I don't know if, if you've gotten the invite. But, well, well um, I, I uh, literally, before we started recording this, I was in the video room and was made aware of it. So, okay. um, so now you will join. Now the draft join. is tonight. I hear. Yes. Okay. All right. Good. Um, so tell me who I should pick because I don't know anything about the EPL out of outside of Leicester City, who I've started following because I picked the team. So, um, <laughs> tell you who you should pick so you could go and win it. Yeah, mate, yeah, you've got no chance. Yeah. You I mean, Mo Salah, Mo Salah is pretty good, right? <laughs> Mo Salah um, is is obviously. Uh, <laughs> I can't believe you just asked me that. Help me pick my fantasy team so I can win. <laughs> That, yeah. yeah, I mean, are you well, the devil? I, 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 mean, I, mean, that's... I, I mean, I saw you playing in the MLS fantasy league. I figure you're gonna you're gonna pick your lineup for a couple of weeks and then lose interest. Well, this is, so, yeah. So that, okay, yeah. Let you, me you use are your right. knowledge to yeah. actually accomplish something. Okay, you you are right there. That's exactly what I'll do. Is right. I'll play for a few weeks and then think I can't be bothered. You're not so, gonna use that. No, man. this is true. Uh, <laughs> the worst. Not just fantasy wise, but seriously, like like it, 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 talk to me a little bit about the start of the EPL season. Uh, I remember, you know, this is, I think this is the first time I was really cognizant of it because um, last season, you know, I was still sort of just keeping my head above Shooting water, in, keeping yeah. up with MLS, you know, it was my first season, you know, in the league. So, uh, so I didn't really notice the beginning of, of the season, but I remember covering the NBA. There was so much that comes along with the start and there's just that feeling of like, maybe this is the year things have changed. Teams have changed. But overall broad picture. What are you expecting from the EPL this season? Um, full-blown carnage, as it always is. Um, the start of the Premier League season, Steve, it might as well be a national holiday in England sure. because everyone stops right. and, and they just wait for that weekend or, or rather this weekend, the first game will be kicking off on a Friday evening, which is fabulous. Mm -hmm. um, I think um, the, the Premier League um, 
for, for me, it's the best league in the world. Um, but in, in Major League Soccer, we, we have a ton of parity. I think it's disappearing slightly towards the top, but certainly in the middle of, of the league. And, and I would say from um, third and fourth down to eight, nine and ten, you feel as though anyone can beat anybody on, on yeah. their day. You see how much teams have moved up and down yeah. in that range. Like you think about the, the impact, right? Like they right. look woeful. It's a great right? example. And then, and then now you're like, oh, well, they're on the rise again. You yes. see these teams just, again, there's those top couple teams, and then there's sort of this, the middle is very thick. Yeah, know, so. although having said that, San Jose beat Dallas this weekend, which uh, <laughs> right. we won't go into, but anyway. Maximum MLS, Yeah, a couple of people pointed out. <laughs> it's like MLS in like bold aggressive, you know, uh, writing that you, you simply can't get rid of. It's, right. it's literally that is MLS <laughs> right there. Yeah. Like, um, it's fabulous. But anyway, um, the Premier League, I... I uh, the Premier League is not like that. The Premier League is, um, it, it's a juggernaut. Um, and I think, um, for, for me, Steve, that the, the one storyline that I'm really looking forward to is seeing what Liverpool do this year. I think they were, um, they were very surprising. Um... They were, they were. They were the surprise package last year when they got to the Champions League final. No mm -hmm. doubt about it. And, and they played some lovely football, but nobody ever thought that they would get to that stage. And, and I know they were comfortably beaten in the end, but um, they, they've added some really interesting pieces. The new goalkeeper from Roma, I think, will be good for them. Um, they, they've managed to keep a hold of Salah as well. Um, I think Firmino, again, will, will be, will be uh, um, you know, due another good season. Um, you know, I'm interested to see what happens with Chelsea. Obviously, a disastrous campaign last year for them. Uh, no Champions League for them, which which will be really interesting because as much as people like to, to play in the Champions League for, for many a different reason, there has been an argument as well that, you know, when you've got to go and play um, Ibsen's old club, Spartak Moscow, on a Tuesday night and you've got to fly from London to, to Moscow, sure. it can be viewed as a distraction um, because it can take the... Um, the eyeballs away from the weekend opponent who, who will be whoever. Um, I can see that point of view. Chelsea won't have that problem this year, so I wonder if, if that'll help them. Um, the key thing there is, will they be able to keep hold of Eden Hazard, um, who for me is, is one of the best players in the Premier League? Um, you know, can, can the manager, the new manager at Chelsea, get the best out of Morata now, who... You know, he still got a decent amount of goals. I think it was 14 goals or something last year, and everyone was absolutely tearing him apart in the British press, saying how he's had a terrible year and everything. Mm -hmm. And you know, and look, it, it it was a decent year, but uh, you know, for the money that was spent on him, I I think uh, I think he's he, he let a lot of people down. So the Premier League is going to be really intriguing. Uh, the, the the new guys coming up as well is it's always really intriguing to see how they do as well. So, I don't know. We'll, we'll wait and see, Steve. But there, there's so many storylines coming into it. There, there's so many possibilities. I love the Premier League. I, I really do. And I think as well, what, what's really interesting now, um, several times now, moving away from England and seeing how it's viewed across the world, it is eyebrow-raising. It is um, really interesting to see so many people uh, in England don't don't realise how big the Premier League sure. is because it's on our doorstep. Yeah. And we just think, oh, it's the Premier League, it's our league. Yeah. I remember being in uh, Kansas City. Um, this was 2012 or 13, and I remember seeing somebody walking around Kansas City in a whole city jersey. <laughs> right. 
And uh, I thought to myself, I have to go over to them and, and, and ask them, first of all, are you from Hull? You know, what's the, the deal with this? And they said, no, I just, you know, I, I love the Premier League and I needed a team to support, so I supported uh, the, the team that came up. So <laughs> I, right. I, I, I just don't think people realise how big the Premier League is. And uh, I, I'm a big fan of La Liga. I like La Liga. I, like, I love the Bundesliga as well. Commentated on that league several times. But commentating on the Premier League back in England was fabulous and the, the shivers go down the spine now that I just think about it it can be slightly frustrating when you have to go to Stoke on a Tuesday evening and it's <laughs> raining and it's miserable but then there are those times when you go down to Chelsea or you go up to Manchester United or whatever and you 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 see these world superstars just doing whatever they want with the ball you know and mm-hmm. then you don't really appreciate the quality of the football until you come away from it you know and yeah I can't wait for it, Steve. I really can't. And it all kicks off on Friday. Yeah. And, um, you know, we're going to be in Los Angeles and um, I, I'm sure we're going to find somewhere to watch him. Yeah. It seems like it has a good, uh, it, you know, in terms of that question about with, with leagues, do you want um, parody or do you want dynasties yep. or do you want, you know, like, and I think that the, the, our ability, any league's ability to control exactly how that works is overstated. I think that, you know, it, it it depends a lot on things outside the control of any individual person. It's sort of the collective of a lot of decisions that, that cause a league to go in one direction or another. But I think it's I, – I, my sense of the Premier League is that, you know, you have these dynastic powers that are like these are, these are the teams that are going to be at the top. But there is that potential for those surprises, for those yeah. teams to like, you know, come from, you know, promotion or relegation uh, to make a run up the, uh, up the table and stuff like that. And I think that that's – in some ways, that's kind of you. You want to you want a mix of those things. You want a mix of uh, a certain amount of surprise, um, but also a certain kind of stability has its own appeal. You know, maybe there's a little too much in in the NBA right now with the, the sense that the Warriors are always going to be the team in the, the final and things like that. But I don't know. Maybe it's a little different also in a league where you don't have the the table determining like a playoff right mm-hmm. like the the thing about the nba is that you have you know how teams do in the regular season is going to determine the seating and then teams are playing in a certain way to try to shoot for certain things in the in the postseason and stuff like that that's not how the premier league no. works you win the premier league outright you know and that winner could be before the season is finished obviously yep. but then you have you have these other things you have the champions league and you have sort mm-hmm. of uh, uh, do you feel like that structure works well for it a sort of just you win the you win the league outright but then there's these other things the FA Cup etc cetera, etc cetera, things like that yeah I, I think it works well Steve because that's that's the way it's only ever been and I don't see any reason uh, why it would ever change because as I mentioned um, it is the most popular league in the world for right. a reason <laughs> sure um, and, and not just popular soccer league the most popular sports league in the world it generates more revenue than the NFL across the world, you know, and that says something. Yeah. <laughs> NFL's a juggernaut. Um, I'm interested to see the the three teams that have come up. Uh, you know, I mean, look at, look at Brighton last year staying up. I mean, Brighton and Hove Albion. I remember, Steve, going to do a game at their old stadium, the Withdean, it was called. <laughs> and it, I think it held like 6,000 people or something like that. Wow. It, it was, it was a, you know, it was, it was a, multi, um, a multi-sports complex and they, they simply couldn't put enough money together to, to have their own stadium until they were taken over by a new uh, businessman and, and such and such. But now you look at them in the Premier League and you think, wow, in a gorgeous stadium, which mm. I, I hear from home and other ex-colleagues and, and commentator friends I have back home saying it's it's stunning. And 
you hope that they are a model for what people would want to be, you know, and, and even Bournemouth as well. I mean, the fact that Bournemouth are in the Premier League, I remember seeing them when I did a game in Bournemouth when they were in League Two, the uh, the fourth tier of English football, and they were on the on the verge of going out of the Football League. Mm-hmm. And here they are in the Premier League. I mean, this is why I love the promotion relegation uh, system and why I think it works so well across Europe. Um, I don't think it would work here yet. That's another debate for another day. Sure. Um, That's its whole own podcast. Yes. <laughs> Which I don't even want to wade into. But No, I would love to have it here. I just yeah. don't think it would work right now. Um, you need that depth. I mean, I think that's the simple. That's the simple yes. thing. You've yes. got you've got four tiers, right? <laughs> exactly. Like we can, you know, we don't even have a, a tier below. We don't have a USL aff- affiliate yet. You know, you, like so. Exactly. I, I don't think, and I say this with all due respect. I don't think Tulsa Roughnecks could could support themselves in Major League Soccer. I, ju- I just don't think they they would have the capacity to do it. Uh, and I, and I think it would cripple a team. Um, any team going out of Major League Soccer in, into USL, if all of a sudden you're hosting Toronto FC 2 or, um, you know, any team, Orange County Blues, I just don't think that, I don't think American soccer is ready for yeah. it yet. So yeah. anyway, um, going off on a tangent there. <clears throat> Excuse me. I think That's what we do here. <laughs> I'm interested to see how Spurs do as well. Spurs yeah. of... of I was going to say quietly, but that's completely wrong. Um, confidently. They're not real quiet. <laughs> and I, I know so many Spurs fans as well. They're not Particularly quiet Particularly in this country. <laughs> it, I mean, uh, is it the new cool thing to be a Spurs fan of the United States or something? Because it seems to be, you know, I, and look, I, first of all, I appreciate it. Great, you've got a team. That's great. Because anyone who doesn't have a team, I think, ah, you're a bit of a cop out there. You've got to have a team. Sure. Um, Spurs have more fans in this country than... I know of, I don't know any other team that has this amount of fans. And obviously having Spurs here against AC Milan yeah. last week was great to see so many Spurs fans uh, in the Twin Cities. It was like a, a miniature North London walking around the Twin Cities, you know, <laughs> Spurs stuff everywhere. Um, but I'm excited, Steve, that the Premier League is always, always, always going to be at the height of excitement. Manchester City, we, we can never rule out as well under the, the guidance of, of Pep. Um you know, so um, it, man, that document. Be, have you seen this trailer for the documentary? The I've seen the trailer. Yeah, looking yeah. forward to it. I'm pretty interested in that. He's really he's, looking forward to it. I, he, he's a mastermind. He really, really is. And, yeah. and I'm I'm so happy that uh, Dominic Torren went to New York City after having so many years under Pep at Bayern Munich and, and Barcelona and Manchester City. Obviously, staying under that City Football Group umbrella. Yeah. But um, it's great to have someone like that in, in this league. But Pep Guardiola for me is is the mastermind of world football and uh, I'm so glad he's in the Premier League and again just another reason why I think the Premier League is the best league in, in the world and you know I understand the argument that the, the top two teams in La Liga are the best teams in the world I agree Real Madrid and Barcelona are heads and shoulders above most sure but the, the argument I always have uh, for the Premier League being the best is it, it generates revenue like nobody else um, and that means more cash flow that means more cash for these teams and you have teams coming up from the championship all of a sudden spending 20 million dollars on a goalkeeper and things like this like it doesn't happen in other leagues so if you were to put in my opinion someone like Everton up against Getafe in La Liga I just I would just always back the Premier League side because I just think the depth is that much stronger in the Premier League so that's my argument towards it I'm all ears for other arguments um, you know supporting other leagues but uh, maybe I'm biased because I'm English I don't know (laughs) I mean, you probably are. Um, <laughs> Maybe. 
Yeah, just circle back to Pep one more thing about him that in that trailer, which I saw. First of all, they used Wonderwall, so, mm. um, you know. I did see that. Yeah, obviously, you, you know. stole it. I know, us. right. I tried to, re- I mean, like, hey, I know it was, yeah. it was, it was, in, it was from England first, right? So, well, yeah, I guess. but, but, uh, okay, I've stolen it back. <laughs> right, 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 right. We'll steal it back. Yeah, I'll yeah. steal it up so. <laughs> Right. Um, but one of the things I loved was hearing Pep say, you know, he, he uh, sort of a clip from him talking in the locker room, I think, and then saying, you know, some of you, some of you hate me, but some of you play better when you hate me. Yes, so yes. go ahead and do it, essentially. And I, th- I think that's such it's so interesting because I think we tend to and I don't mean just, you know, in Minnesota, Minnesota or anything like that. But I think just in, in sports in general, we tend to think about we want the locker room to have like a core. We want everybody to be on the same page. And there's something to that. But there's also something to attention, mm-hmm. you know, like and I. I, I not attention as in paying attention, but like a, a certain amount of tension can be healthy yep. in terms of, um, it, you know, you need intensity, you need aggression on, on the pitch, you need things like that. And sometimes there's, it, I think it's it, like you're saying, it, it, it can be a masterful thing to try to like manage that tension and allow it to exist without letting it get out of control. This is one of the things that comes, it comes through a lot of music um, is a thing I've, I've thought a lot about with regard to that, because you look at bands, a lot of bands that were on the peak of, on the on the the edge of breaking up, who are also at the peak of their powers yep. as creators. You think about the Beatles, uh, Oasis, Oasis, uh, who are always on the edge of breaking up, right? <laughs> um, but uh, but the Beatles doing Abbey Road or something, or you know, even a lot smaller bands. One of my favorite examples is a band called At the Drive-In, who are from Texas. And they sort of there were sort of two parts to the band. There was uh, the singer and the guitarist, um, Omar and oh my gosh, I'm blanking on his name. Omar was the singer. And <laughs> <laughs> I love the way you looked at me there. I have no I know, idea. You don't know it's what I'm talking about. Texas. <laughs> yes, I know. Um, anyway, so this so one half of the band was a little more like psychedelic. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were interested in in sort of out there stuff. And then the other half of the band was like sort of straight out of hardcore punk, like sort of stripped down stuff. And as the band evolved, their last record before they broke up, Relationship of Command, is is this really crazy amalgam of these two elements. And then the band breaks up, and then that one half that was psychedelic goes on and, and creates the band The Mars Volta, who start making albums that are like 20-minute songs, and they go crazy. The other band, the other half of the band turns into Sparta, which is like a very straight-ahead sort of you know, pop rock, pop is a little heavy, but like a little sort of like a, a, a catchier hardcore punk sort of sound. And each of them individually, not as cool sort of as they were at that moment when everything was about to fall apart. So a thing that, you know, what, what Pep is saying about teams where, you know, it's not like everybody just needs to be, oh, I agree with everything you say. It's like you want a little bit of friction because that allows yep. you to push. That's what allows you to push. So I'm really interested in seeing that that documentary for, for that element. Absolutely. I don't know that much about Guardiola, you know, as a manager other than knowing that he's good. So <laughs> I, I'm definitely interested in it. Yeah, I, I would highly recommend that if that's the case, Steve, because he – his press conferences were always, you, you could tell as soon as he walked in the room, this was his room. This is his club. This is his city even, you know. Mm-hmm. He uh, he has a, a certain command about him, no doubt. So um, if, if he does that in the locker room, which I'm assuming he does, great. And I, I love that as well that you mentioned that he has said, some of you hate me and that's fine. Because wasn't it, it, it was Latin Ibrahimovic who had said, I play better when I'm angry. Yeah. Fine. Some some people, some individuals need certain things to help them through a season. Some people through life, whether it's soccer or any aspect of life, are motivated by different things. Yeah. So if 
if hate is, or, or anger at least, is what motivates Ibrahimovic, great. If I'm Ziggy Schmidt, I'm making him angry before everything. I'm going yeah. to say to him, you're absolutely garbage, you are. <laughs> right. You are awful. You're terrible for this team. I'm absolutely riling him up. Yeah. Because then if he comes to me afterwards and says, I proved you wrong, great. Yeah. Brilliant. We've just won 3-0 and you've scored two goals. Yeah. Fabulous. Yeah. <laughs> Some people need different bits of motivation. It Motivation comes in many different ways in every aspect of life. And, um, you know, I, I'm interested to see this uh, documentary to see what else Pep does in that aspect. Yeah, I think that um, I always had this theory about um, Phil Jackson with, with the Bulls and the Lakers. Um you know, people sort of say, okay, yes, he's, you know, the, the winningest coach in, in uh, basketball. But then they say, what did he really do? He had Michael Jordan. He had Scottie Pippen. He had Shaq. He had Kobe mm-hmm. Bryant. He had these, these superstars and everything like that. How much did you really need to do to make those teams great? But I think the answer is that a surprising amount because I think that there are things he used. I think the uh, if anybody follows basketball at all, you know about the triangle, which is like this offensive system that, that – uh, uh, Phil Jackson preached basically. And uh, I, I always thought one of the, the real virtues of that system was not anything technical about the basketball element of it, but that it, it, it was an understanding that you try to teach it to everybody on the team and it gave everybody responsibilities. And I think it was one of the things that made the role players feel invested in the whole system rather than simply feeling like I give the ball to Kobe and then Kobe does, or I give the ball to Jordan and then they sure. go do their thing. The, the triangle was like, it had this mystic cult element to it that it's like, it's this very difficult abstract thing to understand. And as a role player, when you began to understand it, you felt like I'm part of this. And I thought, I thought a lot of, I thought that the appeal of the triangle was at least as much psychological as it was tactical in terms of the game. And so I think that, you know, I think that applies to soccer as well. It's like, you need, mm-hmm. you need buy-in from the top all the way to the bottom. You know, Absolutely. you need everybody to be, to be in there and doing their job. And I think that, you know, a good coach is not simply tactically good or is good, just good with his substitutions or good with anything like that. I mean, that stuff is important, but knowing the tenor of, of the players you have and knowing what different players need, um, you know, who needs to be spurred by a little bit of, of feeling slighted, yep. you know, like who needs to have a little more, a little more comfort, who needs to have, who needs, who needs sort of a, 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 a stability to realize their greatest potential. You know, I think, I think that's a psychological thing and that's not something, oh, Absolutely. I think that's, you know, like, I, I don't think you have to have played the game to be a good coach. Um, but I think that, that, you, it's good to be able to understand locker rooms Absolutely. Um, and understand those those dynamics. Um, well, look, every every train needs a conductor, don't they? Yeah. So every train needs a driver. So yeah. um, I think Ad, what, the one thing which Adrian does very well is he's a very good man manager as well. And he, yeah. is, he is one of these coaches who uh, is a tremendous motivator um, to the point where I know there are players who have said to me in the past they would run through brick walls for Adrian mm-hmm. um, because of the way he motivates them and, and also looks after them personally as well. Mm-hmm. One thing Adrian will, will always do is um, you know he will he will look after his players. He, he may very well criticise them from time to time in the media or whatever. Sure. Uh, and, and if they're deserving of it, so be it. Yeah. But again, maybe those players are motivated by that. We yeah. don't know. Yeah. We don't know. Yeah. So, um, look, as, as I said, if everyone is motivated by, by different elements of life. Um, but no doubt, um, psychologically, there are so many different aspects of the beautiful game that, that play their part in it. And uh, MLS is no different. Yeah. It was fun. I talked to uh, Abu Dunlady, you know, who got back on on, yep. uh, on the pitch recently and um, talking to him about his, his goal he scored, um, you know, last week. Um, 
game previous to this most recent one. Vancouver game, yes. <laughs> Thank you, Vancouver. I was like, where were they? Um, uh, and he talked a lot about how, you know, he was obviously offside a lot. Uh, his his rookie season, that was one of the problems. Yeah, he's so fast, you know, and, yep. and it's sort of that awareness of positioning. And he was talking specifically about on the play where he scored uh, that trying to remember being patient. And he talked about how Adrian was saying that, you know, Adrian was a striker and that he scored, he scored most of his goals, you know, at the six yard line between the posts, you know, and so that's where to go, but to like, wait for that run, wait to make sure that, you know, that Darwin was pushing ahead and then make that that quick run into that spot and find it. And, you know, it takes time, you know, the young guys like, and, and I think that Adrian, his sense of, of what these guys need, that's always developing. And, uh, you know, and I think what guys need changes also over time. And so that's another thing you need to pay attention to. So um, it's certainly complicated. Let's talk a little bit about Minnesota United. Let's. I mean, we were sort of, we're sort of dipping our toes into this area. So um, let's, uh, I don't want to spend too much time looking back at Seattle. It was obviously a tough loss and, and a collapse. Not, not that I think that that doesn't deserve scrutiny and that we should pay attention to it. But I also think that, I think my feeling overall right now is that, um, we may have gotten a little ahead of ourselves uh, in thinking about the team in terms of like that, that home win streak uh, and that we're still in a sort of a transitional phase, uh, you know, with, with the team and learning how to get to that point of uh, winning games. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just because we won a bunch of games doesn't mean we're done figuring out how to, how to win the tough games. Oh, and we're certainly know. short of oh. learning exactly how to win games on the road, but like, give me your, give me your viewpoint on Seattle. I was actually down in the supporters section for most of that game. Oh, really? so, yeah, it was fun. I was, I'm sort of working on a little thing, looking at supporters and, and that culture we did. We, had our last podcast which you weren't able to make yes. um where we talked to some of the people from the supporters uh supporters groups and uh you know i think it's really it's really interesting and so i was sort of viewing it from that field level but i missed some of the uh the action that was on the other side so give uh-huh. me your you had a bird's eye view i, I um, did i did but first of all t- tell me from your point of view because that would have been your first experience as a supporter in that section correct yes so I how, not- how different do you now see the game when you're in there it's uh it's really fun it uh you know, I, I sort of did a little bit of both. I spent the first half down with the supporters. Mm-hmm. Um, for the start of the second half, I went up to back up to the press box to yep. sort of get a view on that. And then I went down for maybe the last like 10, 15 minutes of the game down to the supporter section. Um, and it is interesting because there's certain things, any viewpoint within a stadium gives you a different set of things, yes. you know, and that, that, that up top viewpoint where it's, it's sort of quiet, you really get a chance to sort of follow the movement, uh, see what's going on off the ball. Down to the supporters level, I mean, aside from the fact that there's chanting going on constantly, you know, you're at this level where you're seeing a lot more of the emotional moments of the game. You're seeing a lot of the the momentum. You're seeing mm-hmm. a lot of uh, you're part of that in some sense. I mean, you know, I you know, like I don't know all the songs. Uh, I wasn't down there with my face painted or anything. Did but you sing? I sang a little bit. Go on. What, you know, what, what did you say? What, what I knew, you know, like the, just it's typical chance, you know, the, <laughs> you know, like the, you know, um, it, whatever they're singing, that's what you sing. Right, you just, right. just, just go along with it. Right. Uh-huh. It's interesting to see how they sort of, uh, I think in other sports, there's a lot of sitting there and observing, you know, yes. you're sort of, you're, you're watching the team and you're thinking like, how's this going? There's a lot of evaluation. How, how are they doing? Is it, is it going well? Uh, this is not going well, but the supporters, it's sort of like, we are responsible for carrying this thing. Mm-hmm. And you very much feel that sense of it's a, it's a, it's a tone they're setting. It's not that they're like thinking, how, how is this game going? Should I support this or not? It's just, we're going, you know? Yeah. And yet within that, you also get a sense of, of, of sort of cadence. You know, there's, there's a time where they'll sort of settle back into 
sort of a, a sustenance level of chant, you know, like just to sort of keep the thread going. Yep. And then there's the moments where, like, it was really fun at the end of the first half. You could really see it's like as soon as stoppage time starts, they're like, we got to we got to try to like carry the team through this moment, you know, like either to get a goal like late or to just try to like shore them up as they're trying to hold, hold that one Oh lead. You know, it, it was, uh, it, it's very interesting to watch, uh, so much energy, uh, and the waving of the flags, you know, mm-hmm. this is another thing that you don't appreciate. Like you're watching from a distance. You're like, they're waving flags. These guys, those flags are big, big things. Like, over, they, yeah. like I, I imagine their forearms must just get gigantic. Forearms like but, Thor by the yeah. end of the 90 minutes. I'm sure. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so it was really, it was a really fun experience to watch. I mean, I wish they'd won. So I could have been down sure. there for Wonderwall. but, um, but that was sort of my experience. What was, you saw it from a more tactical perspective. What was your feeling? Yeah. And before I get into that, the one thing I will say in England, it's sort of, um, it's a little bit of both in terms of the supporters carrying the team. It, it, it's more like, um, it's almost not, not a softened version. That's not the right thing to say. But I love how rabid our supporters are mm-hmm. because they are constant, chanting all the way through. Yep. In England, it's a little bit softer in, in, in the fact that, yes, there are chants throughout, but a lot of it is observing as well, like you mentioned, sure. you know. So it, it's sort of in between in England. But I, I love it. With, I love the fact that the American soccer fans have uh, have adopted almost an Eastern European mm-hmm. feel to mm-hmm. the games. And I, speaking to other people, they they take influence from everywhere, you know, England as well, but but mainly elsewhere around the world. So yeah. I, I love it. I, I think our supporters are, are wonderful, and they were accredited themselves again over the weekend. Um, in terms of the game, Steve. <laughs> Oh, where do we start? For me, I thought, uh, obviously disappointing and just simply not good enough towards the end defensively. It, you know, it, it happens when the ball comes over the top. Usually when you've got two, you know, I know we have three centre-halves, but when you have two centre-halves, one will go, one will drop. The, the person going will then rise in the air and challenge in mid-flight and head. The other will drop in case uh, the opposition forward wins it and then they're there to cover. Right. Neither Carmen or Boxall did either. They, they they both dropped. It was a little bit of miscommunication. Obviously, that led to Rui Diaz winning the, the header and on to Will Bruin, who made a great run, and, and it was a lovely little finish as well. Mm-hmm. I noticed the Sounders were so, so, so dominant in the second half in midfield. Yeah. Purely, in my opinion, from my vantage point, because they had two central midfielders who didn't give Minnesota United an inch of breathing space. Ozzy Alonso, who, in my opinion, is one of the best holding midfielders this league has ever seen. Uh, I know when Manchester United played Seattle Sounders back, I think it was 2011, Sir Alex Ferguson even said, wow, this this guy is fabulous. I, th- I think he was 25, 6 back then, mm-hmm. and he actually brought him into train with Manchester United, to mm-hmm. my knowledge. Uh, so that's how much he's rated. Yeah. The other guy, um, Gustav Svensson, just finished a World Cup campaign where he got to the quarterfinals with Sweden. To me, those two were so defensively disciplined, mm-hmm. and one of them pushed when they had to, and the other one held. I, I just thought that they were a perfect example of how to play on the road in this league. The argument could be said at times, it seemed like the Sounders were the home team because they had so much possession. Yeah. Their ball retention was brilliant for an away team, mm-hmm. again, because of the two holding midfielders. Yeah. Minnesota just want one of them. Right. We just need one <laughs> we of need them. One holding midfielder. And we will be set, in my opinion. We'll be at least we will be stronger moving forwards. Yeah. I think Colin Warner has done a great job so far filling in for us. But we need somebody 
who in my opinion, if, if we could get somebody at the level of Ozzy Alonso, someone along those lines, that would be absolutely stunning for Minnesota United moving forwards. Even if it is just short term for the next 18 months, two years, great. We need an answer now. And the window's coming up. We're recording this on, on the Monday. The window's coming up on the Wednesday. Mm-hmm. This needs to happen. Yeah. <laughs> this has to happen. Um, you know, we, we have some good options if it doesn't, but we, how long have we been preaching this for now, yeah. Steve? You yeah. know, this this is something, and the coaching staff know this. They're out there looking. There's only so much they can do. Yeah. It's Manny Lagos's job to go and get these players. There's only so much the coaching staff can do. For me now, this, this has got to happen. We, yeah. we have to go and get somebody. If it doesn't happen in this window, my word, it's got to happen in the off-season moving forward because this is something that Minnesota have needed for a long, long time. Yeah. Um, since the, the injury of, of Sam Cronin, um, I, I just thought that the Sounders and the way that, that they operated, they were so clever, so savvy, um, and having those two sitting midfielders do the job to the quality they did it at was the main reason they won that game. Yeah. I think that the, um, to me, Seattle, and again, my, my viewpoint was a little truncated. It was a little, you know, I was sort of looking from a couple of different angles. But um, I feel like Seattle deserved to win that game. I um, it, was, it hurt a little that it happened yeah, the way it did, disagree, you know, yeah. like, but, I, you know, and I was hoping maybe it was one we could steal again, you know, like if we had, if we had won that game, uh, I think it definitely would have felt like, wow, we were against the run of play and, and pulled one out, which would have been great too. Um, I think that in terms of the holding midfielder thing, I think you're right. I think it's, it's, it's time. I, I wouldn't say, I mean, and I don't think the, I don't think it's, it's that they haven't been trying to find that player, mm-hmm. uh, up until this point, but they have They're to find, out. they have to find the right situation, the yep. right player, the right, you know, like the, it's, it's, there's a lot of things that have to line up for it to work. There is something to the idea that I think, you know, as important as holy midfielders are, if, if that had been the, the first DP, you know, maybe that wouldn't have been the right way to go with it with, mm. with, with your first DP. But now that you have Darwin and, you know, Angelo, who I thought would look very promising. Again, like, so as well. you know, for a guy coming in, he came in this week, essentially. Yeah. Um, and, you know, he got his head on some balls. He narrowly missed, uh, you know, a couple headers. Uh, he looked active. Uh, you know, he looked like he wanted to get out there and score. Um, you think about how much co- more comfortable Darwin looks now than he did oh, in his early Lord, time. Just a massive difference. Yeah. 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 Look, Angelo, sorry to cut you off, Steve. Yeah. Angelo will give this team so much moving forwards. Mm-hmm. And the main beneficiary will be Darwin Quintero because yeah. they can play off each other. Yeah. And um, Angelo Rodriguez can hold the ball up better than anybody we have on the roster. It's as simple yeah. as that. Yeah. I know there are Ramirez fans out there. I, I know Ramirez has scored goals in this league. I, I'm a big fan of Ramirez. Yeah. I think he's a terrific centre-forward. But in this situation against both Chad Marshall, uh, the first half at least, or the majority of it, Kim Kihi, the majority of the game, then Roman Torres. Ramirez was not the option for this game. He was not the correct option. Abu Dunladi coming on because of his pace yeah. was the right option. Yeah. Um, I think Rodriguez matched up so well with Marshall, who, who I, th- I thought Marshall was spectacular, by the way. I don't know who got the Sounders man of the match, but it wouldn't surprise me if it was him. Yeah. Again, I'll go probably back. Will Bruin, but probably, yeah. <laughs> I'll go back to the holding midfielders again because they they also gave that backline a ton of protection as well. But I thought when Marshall was called upon, I thought he was spectacular, and there's there's a reason why he's three time um, defender of the year and he's yeah. got two MLS cups and over 330 appearances in the league or whatever. You know, he's he's been there, done that, and gotten the t-shirt. But I thought Rodriguez matched up really well with him. Yeah, I think moving forwards, 
Rodriguez is going to be really, really interesting on the road because he does give Minnesota time to do all sorts of different things, to get back into to shape. He, he gives um, the wide players time to, to make runs. He gives Darwin Quintero time to, to make a run as well because his hold-up play, from what we saw in the 65 minutes that he played against the Sounders, was better than anything we have had at Minnesota United since we've come into Major League Soccer. Yeah. So Rodriguez, for me, is a really, really exciting option moving forward. And I'm intrigued to see what he does. If he starts against LA, I'd be surprised if he didn't know. Yeah, I think that the, um, I mean, I understand how it is. You know, like like Ramirez has a history here. Yep. He's been tremendous it, yeah, for, the, for the franchise. And I don't think that means that he has to, I, I think that we're jumping the, I think that we can jump the gun a little bit in terms of saying like, well, now he has to be traded, you know? Like I was looking at other teams, <laughs> I was looking at other teams in this league. Yeah. I was looking at LAFC, right? Yep. On their roster, LAFC has Vela, Diamande, Rossi, Blessing, and Urania, right? Mm-hmm. Now, they all they play different roles. Blessing's been a little more in yep. the midfielder role than, than, than a straight forward. They're all technically forwards, you know? Like, they're all really good. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it's okay. You know, yep. like, you can have multiple options at, at different positions, you and, you, and you see how the how this season progresses. I think sometimes we're, we can be a little bit quick, and I'm guilty of it, too. You know, in the moment, you're like, what is going on right now that we need to fix immediately but you got to remember this is a long game you know this is this is a this is years this is this is this is an entire structure this is an entire process so i think it's great and again just to return to the holy midfielder point that with darwin and with angelo on the roster now these targets that are out there now is a good time to like push all the chips into the middle on that holy midfielder you know who will help the defense and then also be able to you know Hopefully, provide some movement forward into the next into the midfield. Absolutely, to push to that to push to the forward. No, so. absolutely. And I saw some people saying as well that that Adrian didn't use the third substitution as well. If you look at the way that Minnesota were playing in that 89th minute when they were one 0 up, yeah. How many times did we break away? How many times did we press? Yeah. Why would you change that? Yeah. Why would you change that? Yeah, I mean it, that was bizarre. That, to that me. breakaway that led to a penalty was very close to then it could have been a goal, right? right? You know, but then it turns it goes the other way. It changes the complexion of the game, but that's like that's nothing. It, they again, they looked like they had opportunities. So uh, yeah, I'm it, it, the, the one thing now which I'm really intrigued with Steve moving to LA Galaxy and just moving to road games in particular. Are we going to change formation? Is this now an opportunity to to try something else or go back to the four two three one. Yeah. Um. I don't know. I have yeah. no idea. Obviously, we've not been at training or anything yet. The players are off, so uh, I'm intrigued to see what happens away at LA Galaxy. And uh, I must admit as well, I am. I don't usually get like this, but I am slightly giddy because. I can't wait to see Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Right? You know, the last time I um, I saw him, last time I commentated on the game that he was playing in was uh, Manchester United were away at Watford in the Premier League, and I remember a chap called Memphis Depay who was at Manchester United at the time. Um, I remember he had a, a tremendous game, had scored already. I think it was one-one, and I remember um, Depay fizzing in an absolutely gorgeous ball, and Ibrahimovic just outmuscling and outwitting. Almost every single defender that Watford had at their disposal, and Watford were decent that year as well, and just unleashing a monstrous header. I remember on the commentary just going, "Oh, it's that!" And I just went <laughs> absolutely because, because it was it, there was so much momentum behind it. You know, the ball couldn't have been headed any harder into the corner. You know, yeah. it was such a Zlatan goal. And, you know, obviously we don't want that to happen this coming weekend. Right. But I am excited to see him playing at LA Galaxy for sure. Yes. I was going to ask you quickly. We're already running over time here. But uh, Zlatan, 
uh, LA Galaxy, any, anything else? I mean, you touched on Zlatan. So um, it, starting the massive road trip, I mean, this is sort of a lot of games away. Um, <laughs> any thoughts on, on, I mean, talk about that formation. Do you, just, uh, you know, spitballing here. Do you think now is the time to, to maybe try going back to that 4 one I, I could see why you would do it because you go back to a regular solid back four. The issue is, is who do you drop? Which centre-half do you drop? Yeah. You know? Um, I, I think Eric Miller comes back in because he, he's much more defensive-minded than, than Alexi Gomez. So that On wouldn't the road, surprise yeah, me. Yeah. Um, but, but then again, if you do go back to a flat back four, maybe there's room for Miller and Gomez. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Um, maybe we see Romario Ibarra uh, get a, an opportunity. Uh, maybe we see Abu Dhanladi play out wide. We, we, we don't know. Um, yeah. I, I don't know, Steve. Um, if I knew the answer to, to that, I, I think I'd be in the coaching right, room. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. Um, look, there's no doubt it's it's a difficult road stretch now. I, I'm not exactly being encyclopedic here. We know Minnesota have to start winning some road games if they are going to be in those conversations for the postseason, and it has to start sooner rather than later. Yeah, yeah. I guess I maybe I'm a little optimistic in the sense that I mean I, that win, getting that win in against Seattle at home, it, there's ways in which that could be a really good springboard to some confidence on the road. Mm. But there's something to be said for the fact that like hopefully losing at home is also a motivation to then like, well, now we really got to get them on the road, you know? Yeah, like, and, and the thing is, you know, we spoke about motivation earlier on and what motivates certain people. Maybe playing against someone like Ibrahimovic yeah. will motivate people. Yeah. We don't know. Yeah. But the, the bigger the star, the bigger the motivation maybe. I don't know. Pe- yeah. People and, and players in general around the world, they, they want to play against the best in the world. Yeah. At least that's the way that people have said it to, to me in the past. So, yeah. Maybe that'll work for them. I don't know. But did the Galaxy have been, you know, at the start, they were riddled with inconsistencies. At one stage, I, I honestly thought Ziggy Schmidt was was on the hot seat and thought he may very well lose his job. But his credit to him has turned it around mm-hmm. uh, with some uh, <laughs> an extreme amount of help from Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Um, I think uh, I was slightly baffled when they were playing Ola Kamara out wide. I understood he's got pace and whatnot, but I kind of thought to myself that this isn't where someone like him should be playing. He needs to be a centre-forward, and, and now he's uh, got that opportunity. He's scoring goals again. I think it's nine so far this campaign. Mm-hmm. Alisson Drini is a, a danger as well, of yeah. course, scored against the Loons at the last stages of, of last season. Um, I, the, the only thing I'll say about the Galaxy is they are... In my opinion, and from what I've seen so far, they are suspect defensively. Yeah, they they do have a um, a backline which makes a heck of a lot of money. Yes, but it's head scratching. Siani has yeah. has has stepped his game up, but the other players around him, like Romney, for example, I'm I'm really interested to see how Rodriguez matches up mm-hmm. against that particular backline. No doubt, it'll be a competition between Siani and Rodriguez, uh, a battle of the brutes, I'm sure. Yeah. But I wonder. Again, it comes down to the formation. Who knows? Right. We might yeah, play yeah. two players up front. Who knows? Right. Who knows? But th- this is the opportunity, I think, now with this long road stretch over the next few days for the coaching staff to figure out, right, let's figure out how we're going to play for the next couple of games because it's five away games in a row. Yeah. And we simply have to get some points if we are going to be in contention. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks for joining us for the 22nd Sound of the Loons podcast. Minnesota United's next match is on Saturday, August 11th against LA Galaxy in LA. That's going to be a late one. Kickoff is slated for 9.30 p.m. Central Time. So You'll be okay. Just get another beer at the bar. You'll be yeah. fine. 
Yeah, that's I'll, I'll be totally fine. I'm going to be home alone with my youngest because my wife is off at horse camp with my oldest. So we'll get some beers in for for the evening. Yeah, yeah exactly. Okay. Maybe 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 a nice uh, maybe the Banshee Cutter from uh, Insight, which has co- it's a coffee golden ale. Little, there we well, go. There Perfect. You Keep you awake as well with the coffee. Thing. Exactly. <laughs> uh, be sure to leave us a nice review on iTunes or at the very least a five star rating and follow the team on Twitter at MNUFC. You can follow Cal in his recovery from injury, <laughs> uh, his journey back to health at Cal Williams Com. And you can follow me at Steve Ventress. And remember, there's only one person in this whole world like you, and people can like you exactly as you are. <laughs>